really disaster recovery, you are only as strong as your weakest link in your environment. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Disaster recovery and SaaS, two topics not often thought about as connected. Do you have software as a service delivered applications in your application portfolio? Are those apps included in your DR plan? Are you a tech product company with an app that is delivered to your customers as SaaS? What's your DR plan for that? What's your commitment to your customers? No matter the side of the desk you are on, you are going to want to listen to this episode of Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun, and today my guest is Pat Spencer. Pat is the Managing Director of MoneyTree Software. He's also a former account executive here at InterVision and has been a guest on Status Go at least a couple of times. Welcome back, Pat. Well, Jeff, thanks a lot. It's uh, it's good to be back. I think this is a great topic to talk about. So excited for for the next 20 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah. And I and I think we're just going to dive right in because, you know, by now your reputation precedes you. <laughs> so <laughs> when we were talking about this episode a few weeks ago, you relate a couple of stories of companies that you've been involved with either as an account executive or client relationship or even uh, with that company. So why don't we start there? What's one of the things that comes to mind when you think of SaaS-based applications and disaster recovery? Yeah, so it's a great topic because it's something that um, really we kind of take for granted. If you take a look at your phone and realize all the applications you have on that, uh, whether it's for fantasy football, whether it's for Uber, uh, whatever the application might be for, you really do take for granted the fact it's going to work. When you click on that button, it is going to work. But what happens if it doesn't? That's what I think we want to explore a little bit about today. And in my past experience, I, I've sold SaaS technologies, mostly at the enterprise level for a lot of years. And as I look back, I'm shocked at the number of times that we were asked for our business continuity plan, or whether or not we had a DR plan. And for well over a decade, I sold to you know financial institutions, to banks and to credit unions where you know systems have to be up. There's uh, certainly a, a need and a priority for that. Mm-hmm. So w- one of the examples that hit me was when I was, um, was on the sales side and I was selling to an energy and petroleum company out of Houston, Texas. Great company. Uh, a lot of success in terms of uh, how they had grown, and they were considered more of a smaller independent. So that's even more of a success story. Mm-hmm. So they were interviewing SaaS companies for a specific type of accounting software for energy and petroleum companies. Basically, it helps with uh, more or less counting, validating the uh, the barrels of oil uh, that go into production from the wells on a daily basis. And this has to be, this is publicly available data. It's got to be reported up to the government. And so he's sharing the story with me that this team shows up and they show them to the conference room, just like they had done to us that same day and uh, left them to get set up, brought the executive team back and including the chairman of the board 
to go through this presentation, kind of a final presentation before they would sign on the dotted line, if you will. And what he shared with me was that when they came back to the room, their group that was there uh, was a bit anxious and a bit nervous. What came next was that team had to share with my future client that they were not able to demo their SaaS product because they were experiencing an outage. As shocked as he was, he's like, well, what about your backup site? What about your disaster recovery site? Is it up yet? That's the way he phrased it. Mm -hmm. And the answer was from the SaaS company, who, by the way, had literally dozens, if not a couple of hundred other energy and petroleum companies that they provided this accounting type service for, said, unfortunately, we don't have a backup site or a disaster recovery site. That just kind of shocked me that you're a mission critical solution for uh, the clients that you serve and you don't have disaster recovery, not even backups, uh, let alone a full business continuity plan. So uh, as you and I were talking, that was one of the stories that really kind of popped up to me that, wow. So yes, he did ask me, you as a disaster recovery, as a service company, you do have backups and DR and the answer is yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> well, but it begs the question, would he have asked you that if he hadn't had that experience with that other vendor? Because when you started out, Pat, you said you were surprised the number of times that you were asked for the DR plan or the backup plan. Were you surprised because it happens all the time? Or were you surprised because it rarely happens? Oh, excellent, excellent follow-up. Uh, yeah, I didn't finish my thought there. Uh, surprised because it rarely happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, we provided our audit. At, at that time, it was a SAS 70. Now, it might be a SOC 2 report. Uh, so we, we supplied that, which indicated we you know the operational services that we have. But in terms of being asked directly, very rarely, very rarely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something that CIOs don't always think about. In fact, I know you and I were at a conference a couple of years ago and got in a conversation with a CIO there who was sharing his story. They had hundreds of SaaS-based applications that were somewhat mission critical to their processes. And he didn't have them on his radar screen for failover or DR or or anything until all of a sudden they weren't there. So I think it turned a light bulb on for him. And that's one of the reasons why I, I thought today would be such a great conversation because I'm hoping that it will turn the light bulb on for a number of our listeners. So you've got some other stories, Pat, that I know you shared. So would love to hear a couple more of those. Yeah, absolutely. Another story is, you know, we were at a legal technology conference and I had uh, planned to meet up with a CIO at a decently large firm in the South that was really trying to be proactive in getting, you know, kind of um, his house in order, if you will. And disaster recovery, business continuity was part of that. And as we were going through the conference, we could never meet. And, you know, I, I know at the time I'm the sales guy and I'm trying to you know, have meetings and so forth. But we had both agreed that, yes, it would be a great opportunity for us to meet. And so I thought, OK, is he avoiding me? Did something come up, uh, whether personal, whether business? Well, unfortunately, we never ended up meeting at the conference. In fact, he had to leave the conference early. 
But he did circle back with me and said, you know, we really need to sit down and, and talk. We had a situation where uh, we had an employee that was let go within the IT department and was uh, disgruntled. And unfortunately, he worked in the database area and he changed everyone's passwords and locked everybody <laughs> out of their systems. Oh, man. And um, so they, in essence, they were they were down. And that's really a situation for disaster recovery, but not what you think of. You think of uh, ransomware. You think of a physical disaster, such as right, a hurricane, right. a flood, or something like that. But it really just goes to show that the events can really come from multiple areas uh, with how people have access. You know, we have entities trying to hack into our systems on a daily basis, et cetera. So it really is a matter of when, not if, uh, but the where that range of where it could possibly come from continues to grow as well. In, in this particular case, they had to restore from tape backups. So even as I'm saying that, I just feel the sluggishness kind of oh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of what type of challenge that can be uh, in order to get more or less everything turned on and taken back to a certain date uh, and so forth. So yeah, in this case, they got a little lucky that they were able to kind of break through some things. And it was only a few days in terms of being completely recovered, but it certainly certainly could have been, you know, something, uh, something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of the, the legal industry, we go back a few years and uh, we had a major cyber attack where uh, I believe it was the WannaCry virus that took out uh, one of the largest law firms mm -hmm. uh, around the globe. And yeah. it took them more than two weeks, almost three weeks to even be able to send emails out. Yeah. And you think of a large law firm like that. So these things are going to happen and anything we prescribe today isn't necessarily the silver bullet. And uh, we'll say it won't happen to us, but it's good to have this discussion to make sure no matter how large you are as an organization, no matter how large your IT department is, uh, you still have to have certain things in place. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like whether you're coaching grade school football or you're coaching uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, both coaches have playbooks. It's just a different set of, uh, of teams, different set of parameters. So it goes to show no matter how size your organization is, you, there needs to be that plan in place to make sure that you can act accordingly should you need to. Now, you and I both sit in Indianapolis. Why would you bring up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that, <laughs> and, and that aging quarterback that they have? I can't. I can't imagine why you bring that up, Pat. No, they, I hear you. I hear you. And I was cringing as I was looking for the team to bring up, but they are the winning Super Bowl. Champions. They are. They are. I, I got it. I got to give them that. But I can also plug Peyton Manning going into the Hall of Fame this summer. There you and, go. Uh, and my Indianapolis Colts uh, going into the season with some things looking pretty good. So yeah, well, good I save, can cover that way, there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, as you were talking about those stories, the images in my mind, I'll date myself a little bit. But when you were talking about having to recover from tape, I'm going back to the days when tape backups were on reel-to-reel -reel tapes. And yeah. I was a tape operator and you had to put them up there and then thread the tape through. And nine times out of 10, you couldn't even get the tape to thread properly the first couple of times. I can't imagine trying to do it with the pressure of doing a disaster recovery. 
yeah. so I know they use cartridges now and all that, but you know, I'm still, I'm still a bit old school. So <laughs> the other image that came to mind was, I think as you were relating that story of the law firm, I actually think we used a picture of their lobby in one of the presentations you and I did where they had a big uh, sign yeah. up that said something about, uh, email is down, no ETA. Yeah. Something like that. Right. They didn't even know how long it was going to take. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times you find yourself on the vendor side of the desk. What questions would you expect to be asked from the person on the other side of the desk that you're selling to? Yeah, no, great, great question. Um, and, and now with the role I have, these are the questions I find myself asking vendors that we're looking at possibly partnering with from a SaaS perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but really the first thing that you want to ask, uh, you know, obviously security is a whole other conversation. We could do a whole podcast on, on that. But uh, from a disaster recovery, the first thing is, is, is really, do you have a disaster recovery or business continuity plan uh, in place? Mm -hmm. The, the very next question is, what happens if your primary system goes down? Do you have a secondary backup? Yep. But don't stop there because that secondary backup could be the tapes that you were just talking about <laughs> where it might take them a week to recover. Right. You want to ask, how long will it take you to get back up? And the, you know, sometimes the technical terms they may throw out would be RTO and then RPO. Mm -hmm. So RTO being that recovery time objective. So how long from the outage to the time that your uh, production or, or that secondary site is up and running? They may say four hours. They may say 15 minutes. They may say it's instantaneous, or they could say it might be three days. But the RTO is that time that they go down, the primary system goes down to the time that that uh, second site comes back up. But then there's another question that gets into a little bit more detail. Because if they say, we'll be back up in 24 hours, you may think that's great. Um, but you also may be thinking that you're able to recover all the data that's being transmitted during the time of their outage to the time of their recovery. So there's another definition called RPO, and that's a recovery point objective. And that essentially is how much data loss do they believe they will suffer during that outage? So yeah. they may say, we will be back up in 24 hours, and the RPO or the data loss is only four hours. So that's that's not bad. Whatever the answer is, is what you as the business owner uh, have to really analyze to say, could we suffer through that? Right, right. Is that something we could put up with and not affect our own clients, our own business, our own revenue stream uh, from that perspective? So those would be the questions. Uh, do they have a, a comprehensive continu business continuity plan, a specific DR plan, and then what, you know, do they have a backup site? Mm -hmm. And then with that backup site, how soon will it be up and running should something happen to the primary site? And then finally, the data loss. Those are, there's, there's probably 20 more questions you could ask, but that's going to tell you, are they thinking about being prepared? Are they prepared? What type of loss are they prepared for from an outage perspective? And then also, what type of loss are they expecting from a data perspective? Yeah. I think another important consideration, and I advise uh, CIOs all the time, is that you still have to back up your data. Even mm -hmm. if it's a SaaS-based application, they may be doing backups, or they may not, but they may be doing backups. They may have DR, 
but you still are responsible. That is still your data and you need backups as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the very worst, it protects you against contractual issues, right? They can't lock you out from your own data uh, because you've got right. copies of it. So I think it's an important thing to think about. Now, Pat, I know you've worked for a number of SaaS-based providers, and you were telling us a story about one of the stops on your career where you were only down for minutes, yet the phone started ringing. Can you talk mm-hmm. us through that scenario a bit without mentioning yeah, any yeah. names, of course? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um yeah, so the situation was we had production and DR, and so there was just a few-minute outage, but in that few-minute outage, uh, there was about five or six clients that called in and just said, hey, is your website down? You know, thinking that even though it's a SaaS solution, they were thinking, you know, is your is your website down? That's yeah, kind of yeah. how most of them phrased it. Well, what happened was they caught us in that minute transition of moving uh, production being uh, acknowledged as being down and the second site more or less kicking in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of incredible timing, but, and it was very early in the morning. So it goes to show you, you don't know when your clients are going to be using your SaaS service. Yeah. The outage was not planned. Uh, it had to do with some, uh, some things as they were being moved from test into production. But at the end of the day, a couple things there we learned is that uh, one, even in that transition, there could be uh, clients that for that instant can't access it. Mm-hmm. And by the time they were off support and back using it, it was up and running and they were absolutely fine. So it was kind of a live fire test for yeah. us where we yeah. could actually see that, uh, okay, the, the plan worked and we did a, um, a more of a debrief after that. And there were cer- certainly some lessons that we learned in terms of uh, how to improve one, how we move things from test into production. So this is kind of a self-cause. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes it's just internal things that moving from test to production might cause a glitch of some sort uh, versus even an external threat. Yeah. So you yeah. always have to be prepared. And even if you think, well, nothing external is ever going to get through our network, but what happens if something internal happens? Then then what's the case there? Yeah. But in essence, both systems worked to the level with which we uh, developed them for and we prepared them for, it's just uh, we found it very interesting that in that switchover in the few minutes that we uh, took, we had clients that were in the system and, and it called in. It's like, darn, we got caught. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Pat, if you don't mind, I, I'd love to dig in a little bit to where you are today with Money mm-hmm. Tree. I know we've had you on the program a couple of episodes ago to talk about your cloud journey. And yeah. so I would love to pick your brain a little bit. You just spent uh, several years working in the in the DR space before joining mm-hmm. Money Tree. Uh, what questions did you ask yeah. as you were joining that firm as the managing director? Uh, well, our director of IT, Dave, tells me that, first of all, he had never had an executive call him to ask him about uh, DR and backup. <laughs> I bet <laughs> not. I bet career. not. Career. And uh, so I thought that was that was interesting. But uh, no, we, we actually had a good conversation. But you're, you're right. It was honestly one of the first questions I asked. 
And I think as I shared before, MoneyTree was acquired by Accutech, which is a trust accounting software firm that's been around for over three decades. And uh, that firm uh, was on its own cloud journey. They went from having their own data center to outsourcing to a data center to then actually uh, having someone else host and manage it for them. But it was still, you would consider it on-prem, but it was hosted, not in the cloud. Mm -hmm. But then they decided they wanted, that was also when they had more of a desktop version of the software. But then they wanted a browser-based software. And that's when they said, okay, we need to take a look at the cloud journey for not just our application, but also for our own infrastructure. And so they began that cloud journey. And I would share with you, they did go into it knowing that they wanted a DR or a second site. Not sure necessarily on how to get it set up. Uh, What should the expectations be? What should that RTO and RPO be for their clients, which are obviously banks and and, uh, trust companies? Then when it came to to MoneyTree, they knew they needed to do the same thing because MoneyTree was on its own journey where it was in the closet of the software company for probably over a decade, then moved to a data center, but uh, was one of those companies, yeah. you know, and honestly, 15 years ago or even 10 years ago, if you would have asked, um, you know, do you have DR set up? The answer would have been no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was all, 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 everything was focused on the production site. That's nothing against the firm or the money tree in any way. Like I mentioned before, a lot of companies were just focused on once we got there. Just didn't uh, think about it. Yeah. Just didn't think about it. Yeah. So long story short, we do have production and we do have DR set up in this stop as well. We're utilizing AWS, two separate zones, high availability for the uh, DR environment. Um, but even beyond that, we have a production environment. We have a DR environment. We have backups, yeah. kind of to your point, uh, Jeff. And we do actually make copies of the SaaS data that we do integrate into our you know, everyday operations from the software that we use. Um, in addition to that, I find myself as we partner, uh, whether it's for soft phone type of software or payment authorization software, so our clients can pay through credit card. And even we just launched account aggregation for our software itself. And uh, we're asking the questions, where's, you know, how's your DR set up? Do you have backups? What's your RTO? What's your RPO? Because now that I'm introducing client data into the financial planning software, our advisors are absolutely 100% focused on needing that data when they're putting together a plan. And although money tree is up, I can't afford for my data aggregator to go down uh, where advisors across the country can't access the data that they need to put their plans together for meetings that they're going to have with their clients. So it's become very much a, just a normal part of our conversation as we're going through our vendor management process, as we're choosing new partners, new providers. And honestly, we're also, uh, this kind of is a salesperson in me. My sales team is very proactive in making sure folks know not only our security side, but they also uh, are playing the seeds that, yes, we're very we're making sure that your data is very safe and that you'll be able to access your data when you need to. I was just going to ask that question of, are you getting that question more and more from your clients or are you being proactive? So thanks for uh, thanks for answering that before I could even bring the question out. The other thing that I I wanted to make sure I understood that as you were on your cloud journey, since we had that other episode about the Mm -hmm. cloud journey, you designed DR into the implementation. 
That, that was part Correct. of that. And I, yeah. again, I think that's a great lesson or great advice to our listeners who may be on a cloud journey is think about it from the beginning. It's like it's like you mentioned, it's like security. Security has to be designed in up front. DR should be thought about and designed in up front as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it should be. If you think of your infrastructure as your kind of your, your lifeblood, you know, with how you operate your business, uh, you certainly don't want a single point of failure. Uh, you think of software development, you know, you try to make sure that even from an agile process, there's no single points of failure, whether it's a developer or a, a piece in the process. So you certainly want to carry that forward then across your business, especially when it's affecting a client that you're trying to sell to. Yeah. Yeah. I think the theme that we've really been talking about here is it doesn't really matter who you are or what role you have. You have to be thinking about the tools that that you're using and how you would recover if they're not there. Absolutely. Throughout the organization, it begins with the company you were talking about from Texas and the conversations that we've had. And you just have to be aware and plan it in from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You really have to look at it now. I know when I was selling DR, a lot of times cost would come up. We yeah. can't afford mm-hmm. a second site. We can't afford uh, to implement disaster recovery at the level that you're saying, or we've never had to do that before. But obviously, as we know, the world is changing daily, and, and, and it has changed over the past uh, decade for sure with regards to client expectations on availability. And so absolutely, it needs to be designed in and it's, it's just like anything else, like you said, Jeff, it really depends on what can your business, what will your clients tolerate from any type of uh, outage. Yeah. And, and that may vary. You may, you may be able to use tape backup and recover from that in a few days and really not miss the beat with your clients. Um, in other categories, you may not. You may have to run a, a hot site. Yeah. Most of the time we see that people can suffer between probably a 12 to 48 hour outage, provided that their data loss isn't too large. I would say for my years of selling, typically that's that's where folks landed in general. And, and I'm generalizing quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean that you're not still employing the right type of systems, the right type of software uh, you know, to put in place. You know, I was even surprised in our industry as, you know, the replication software, this is getting to a little bit of detail, but mm-hmm. the software that helps uh, move data from the production environment to the disaster recovery environment to make sure it's making copies. Um, I asked them one time, how many times do you get asked if you have disaster recovery? Because you're the, because you're the software that's actually replicating this uh-huh. data from the production environment. And they're like, not as often as you would think. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, that just shocked me. Yeah. I think... Uh... Again, it, it just hasn't been front of mind for people. But when you when you start thinking about uh, even the security breaches that we've heard about recently, where it mm-hmm. wasn't a direct attack on a specific company, it was a direct attack on some software vendor that then mm-hmm. replicated it across a bunch of companies. Right. And, and I think that the attack on that law firm that we were talking about earlier, I believe that that was through the accounting system, as I recall, or something, Mm -hmm. something like that. You've got to be questioning your vendors. And even if they're just, you know, you pop in a credit card and you buy an application, right? What's your fallback plan if that application is not there? 
if it's part of your of your critical processes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, really, disaster recovery. You are only as strong as your weakest link in your environment. Yeah. And um, I believe it was actually the target breach. You know, you get taken down by your HVAC See, provider, yes. yeah, not yeah. having a secure network, and someone getting the credentials to. And you think, well, they're an HVAC provider. What possibly could they get <laughs> access to with Target? But then, well, you the know, point of sale system for one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, but Target, like a lot of large companies, uh, HVAC is is completely a networked piece of the infrastructure. Yes. And so once you have access to the network, there you go. So uh, you have to also have to take that into consideration. The more vendors you have, the more opportunities that, you know, you need to at yes. least check into to understand what are their vulnerabilities. I totally agree. And a, a lesson embedded in that target story, Pat, because I tell that same story all the time, is no one talks about the name of the HVAC company. Right. They right. talk about target. Yeah, exactly. And what a brand hit they took. I, I'm thankful that they've recovered from that branding, but yeah, absolutely. That's who they're talking about is not the HVAC guy that lost his credentials or whatever. Yeah. Pat, you and I could talk about this all day long <laughs> because yep. we have talked about it all day long. We've been talking <laughs> about it for years, but I want to, I want to wrap with a call to action for our listeners. What's one or two things our listeners should do because they listen to our conversation today. Yeah, great question. I think obviously the first thing is evaluate yourself, right? So you want to evaluate yourself and what uh, you're actually doing to understand what type of disaster would it take for you to have an outage. And again, like everything in life, it, it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just uh, understanding where are you mm -hmm. and then taking the steps necessary to understand where should you be based upon your clients. Because one thing that the target breach and anthem breach and other breaches have proven is that there is reputational risk. So yeah. even if you don't think you can afford to have that disaster recovery uh, site, you really have to look yourself in the mirror and say, can we take that type of reputational hit? Yeah. If that happens to us and we are down for a significant period of time, can we take that type of hit? And again, there's an answer to that, and that's how you have to respond to that. So definitely taking a look at where you are. The next is taking a look at your vendors and understanding where are the vendors. So the SaaS applications that we're using, uh, and I'll refer to them specifically, the SaaS applications that we're using, are they protected? And we're, we are seeing more and more technology questionnaires, cloud questionnaires yeah. coming out that are speaking to trying to understand their vendors. We, we answer them quite a bit for the larger uh, registered investment advisor firms and broker dealers that we work with uh, that want to understand what type of vulnerabilities could they have using MoneyTree financial planning software? So uh, first yourself, then your SaaS companies, you know, more or less the software that's integrated into your network that you don't own. Mm -hmm. And then finally, are there other vendors outside of the uh, more or less the software perspective, like in the target scenario yeah. that you could be vulnerable to? So again, we're a software company that sells to banks, credit unions, financial firms, Obviously, a lot of proprietary data sitting on our, you know, on our servers in AWS, but also we got to make sure that our offices uh, are secure as well. So, you know, if we have people coming in, if we have things that are networked, 
we want to understand who those folks are. We want to uh, do the appropriate background checks and so forth. And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, uh, someone coming in to fix something for the day, more of those long-term relationships that you have that do, in essence, there's a trust factor there and you have, but they have access to your facilities. So it, it's kind of inside out. Take a look at yourself, take a look at your SaaS and software applications that are connected or integrated into your network, and then take a look at more from the physical vendor side and are there potential vulnerabilities there that you want to be aware of. And that's at least a good start. Yeah. There's all kinds of sources to go to for what, what makes a good business continuity plan, what makes a good DR uh, plan, et cetera. And uh, uh, InterVision obviously is a great place to start. So I'll plug that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. We, we appreciate it. And a lot of times it's vendors like an InterVision. I'll just say one thing here because we found this with other vendors and, and also try to present that as well when I worked with, uh, with InterVision. And that is... Uh, they're there also to help you, not just sell you. Yeah, yeah. And they have to understand who you are and what you're about to even understand if they can help you. Uh, and in having that type of discussion, you'll quickly find out if they are able to help you or if you need to move on to you know someone else that has a little bit of a different type of expertise. So uh, definitely use the resources that you have around you to educate yourself about the processes in place for DR and business continuity. Great advice across the board, Pat. I appreciate you passing that along to our listeners. I want to thank you for taking the time once again to be on Status Go. I think if you appear one more time, you get a prize or something for the number of episodes that you've been on. So we'll have to think of something creative. Pat, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure and best of luck. For our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links, contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Pat Spencer. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.